Hello and welcome. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Lily. And this is Little Home Organised, a podcast dedicated to helping you declutter, get organised and reclaim time for the things you love. Everybody listening right now is like, oh, that's it. I'm about to shuffle off this mortal coil tomorrow. (laughs) So choosing to downsize earlier rather than later helps ease the burden for yourself and for your children who are helping. But I also found all of our toothbrushes from when we were about 10. (laughs) What? Yeah, they still had our names on them. (laughs) Hello and welcome. This week we're talking about downsizing with seniors. Whether it's your parents, grandparents or an older friend, we'll chat about how to help them downsize in readiness for retirement living or aged care. We'll chat about where to start, who to get involved and what not to do. This is such a great topic, but I feel like it's also one that may um, have people overwhelmed in their personal life because so many of us at some point are going to encounter this issue. Well, Lil, we actually got requested to do this topic and I can see why because when you've got a parent or a grandparent who is preparing to move into some sort of aged care or retirement living, it can feel really overwhelming, especially if they've lived in the one house for a long time. Now, this might be something you're a bit familiar with at the moment because your in-laws are about to move out and they've lived in their house for how long? Oh gosh, it's over 30 years and that's over 30 years of memories of raising children, going Mm. through different phases of life, children growing up and moving out and now they've built their own home and they're moving and you know, all these accumulated memories over time, they have to make decisions about them because, you know, we can't take everything. So you can imagine how hard it is for a couple who have lived in the family home for 40 or 50 years and they've got a lifetime of memories in there. They've raised their children there. They've maybe had grandchildren come there. Maybe one of the partners has actually been deceased and it's just a grandmother or a grandfather left in the, the family home after 40 years. That's a lot of memories and a lifetime worth of stuff to get sorted. It's a daunting prospect. Yeah, a lot of responsibility lays ahead. Yes, and I think there can be a whole lot of what do I do with this stuff? How do I get started? Do I even really want to deal with the discomfort of having to make decisions? Like it's really overwhelming. And I know when we got this topic requested, it was all about can we talk about how to help our parents and our grandparents downsize so that it's not such a daunting prospect for them and so that we've got the skills to be able to help them go through this lifetime worth of memory and stuff. And what a tricky thing it is to try and do because it's not just about decluttering your own personal stuff, it's helping somebody else make decisions about a lifetime of belongings and as we said memories that of things that they're going to look at and it's going to stir up emotions in them so it is a really tricky thing and so I'm keen to get into today's topic talk about what you should do what you shouldn't do when trying to help someone get ready to downsize but when we talk about downsizing firstly what are some of the main reasons why downsize? Well, there's lots of benefits to downsizing and whether you're downsizing or helping a loved one downsize because you have to or because you want to, there are some really good benefits to consider before getting to that point where you absolutely have to downsize. And the first one of those is that you just have less responsibility. 
So a smaller property usually means a smaller yard, a smaller home, there's less maintenance. Less cleaning. Less cleaning. There's just less stuff to do. And we've talked about this in so many of our episodes previously. The more things we have in our home and the more space we have in our home, the more to-dos we actually have. The Mm. more square metres we have to clean, um, the more yard and grass we've got to mow, more weeds we've got to stay on top of. Like It can get pretty overwhelming. You work your whole life towards a retirement. You don't want to spend that retirement then fulfilling the lots of yeah. Well, unless it's something you're passionate about, but like fulfilling responsibilities that aren't even serving you. So, like if you're wanting to spend your day, you know, if you, you think about, we've talked about that like map of the house where you mm. when you actually look at the rooms that we actually use. So you can imagine if you're living in a four bedroom house and you're only using two of the rooms, mm. that's a lot of responsibilities and to-dos that don't even serve you. Mm. And maybe you really love gardening, but you're on a huge acreage property and it's literally it doesn't serve you to try and jump on your ride on mower and, you know, no. be mowing that every week. No. So, you know, downsizing can be a really good option in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Less responsibility I think is really good, especially As we get older and we've gone through those difficult years of um, raising children and then helping raise grandchildren and it's time for a little bit of us time, you know, like to kind of wind it back and stop going so hard at it. I think our culture really does go a little bit too, um, yeah, I think a little bit too fast. I think it's like we're on a travelator that doesn't ever stop and, you know, you need to kind of work at slowly winding that down when you get older. Yeah, I agree. I think another reason why downsizing is a great idea is that you've got less costs. You've got a smaller house, a smaller property. That means smaller rates, less electricity, Electricity, less water, um, less bills to pay because maybe if you are outsourcing your gardening and your cleaning and other home maintenance jobs – there's less of that that you've got to pay because it's a smaller property. Maybe you have, you know, multiple cars and a few boats and a few boats. Yeah. Who needs more than one? I mean, really. <laughs> I'm sure people who I are into be happy fishing and one. boating. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe realistically you kept one because just in case, but maybe realistically you barely use it. Who keeps a it. boat just in case? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are people, but Maybe yeah. you kept it as a project. Maybe, maybe you know it's I mean? the old dinghy that you're going to redo or something like that. And that's it, you know. So another reason to downsize is to save the cost on those things because often they're things where you pay registration. Mm. So that's another thing to consider as yeah, well. Yeah, rego sucks, that's for sure. I think another great reason for downsizing for anybody is, and we talk about this quite a bit, is being able to find the things you need the first time. And if you're imagining this in a scenario of someone who is elderly – You don't want their life and the people that you love that are older to be harder than it needs to be. You know, there are a lot of challenges that come about from older age and, you know, things might get a bit more physically challenging. Sometimes our memory, you know, may not be all there when we're a lot older. Well, mine's not all there now, so I I cannot imagine what it's going to be like in 40 years. (laughs) It's a scary thought. But, you know, you don't want that life to be harder. So, like, if you're, you're already trying in the day to make sure that we're on, you know, they're on top of things and they've got those challenges physically and mentally you don't want to add clutter into the mix no that's true and you do want to be able to find the exact boat that you want the first time you don't want to have to go digging for it (laughs) not through your 17 boats no no definitely not (laughs) um the other thing that's really good for why you should downsize is that obviously frees up a lot of time for the things that you actually love to do so when you don't have as much time um, needed to spend on, you know, maintaining the lawn and many, maintaining a large home and cleaning a large home. 
then you can actually spend more time doing the things that you love. And maybe that is gardening. Maybe that's going to the club, going out for lunch, going for bushwalks. What kind of club? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, rave (laughs) all the way. No, no, no. I'm thinking more like a country club. Oh, how how posh. Or a, um, you know, like a sports club. You you get to retirement to be able to really – you know, sit back, relax and do the things that you want to do. Mm, Yeah. Well, retirement is about that. I mean, obviously you want to have things that keep you busy and feeling passionate and purposeful when you're retiring, but being able to downsize your physical possessions and the physical property that you own, it just means that you've got, I think, a bit more freedom to go out and chase some of those dreams that maybe you had put off for a long time because you were encumbered. One of the things I'm looking forward to when I finally do retire in, you know, many, many years is the opportunity to travel and see the world again, kind of like I already had the privilege to do. I'd love to continue (laughs) to do it. Um, And I think downsizing is probably something that would help with that as well, Mm. making it easy to be able to get up and jet set off and know that your small, easy to manage home can be like cared for by a house sitter or a family member. Do you know one thing I've always wanted to do and I don't know when, if ever – I'll be able to do this maybe in my golden years. I would love to just rock up at the airport with a suitcase full of kind of random stuff and just jump on the next plane. Oh, that would be so Like liberating. how terrifying but how fun at the same time. I'd love to see you at the airport when it turned out to be like a really random destination and you're like, maybe the next one. Yeah. <laughs> but see, you, you'd have the freedom to do that. Yeah. <laughs> freedom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we've kind of missed – one of the major points of why why we should downsize and help those who are close to us who are elderly to do that. And, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. If you, this is someone who is in their later stages of life and maybe they, they do have rapidly declining health or they are just, uh, you know, older, at some point their time <laughs> You're on- really just paying someone out to be like in the palliative care ward. Like everybody listening right now is like, oh, that's it. I'm about to shuffle off this mortal coil tomorrow. <laughs> But when you are experiencing poor health or declining health or you are getting much older, you don't want to have to worry about all these kind of things. You want to be completely mentally aware of the decisions that you're making. So choosing to downsize earlier rather than later helps ease the burden for yourself and for your children who are helping. Mm. But also when the time comes that you do pass away, your children aren't encountering a mammoth job as Mm. well as grieving well this is getting very morbid but it's a good example because I wanted to talk about when our grandparents were starting to um decline I was actually going to say downsize but anyway oh um (laughs) yeah sure decline no so they were one was okay sorry go on depends on the case yeah so when our grandparents who lived you know, about an hour and a half away on a lovely little farm property. The steepest driveway you've ever driven up. Oh my goodness. I used to think my car would flip over backwards. Yeah, it was pretty hectic actually. Um, But they had a gorgeous big property and they had all these coffee trees and banana banana trees and flying foxes and greenhouses and chicken coops and wood turning shed and a beautiful big house and a beautiful view and it was just lovely. But at some point, Managing a property like that, it's oh, just it's too huge. much. huge. Absolutely huge. And I remember when mum told us, yep, okay, they're moving and they're moving into like an aged care or an over 55s or something retirement village. I thought, oh, yep, have fun with all the decluttering and downsizing of all their stuff because it's a huge property. It's like nine and a half acres, I think. 
you know, there's sheds after sheds after sheds and there's a four-bedroom house and there's an understairs area and there's just a lifetime of stuff, you know, 20, 20 years, I think, 25 years of them living there mm. and there was a whole lot of stuff there. So it's just like, okay, yep, we've we've got to work really hard to actually get through and do this. And thankfully, they were in a really good state of mind and they were in pretty good physical health that the whole process of downsizing wasn't um so difficult and then they moved to this retirement village and they went from yeah this huge four bedroom um to about two bedroom oh i think it's technically two and a half so it was like two and a study yeah they seriously culled yeah they seriously culled but you know what's really really funny when they actually were moving out of the retirement village into the next phase when our grandpa was going into palliative care and our grandma was going into like a hostel, I was helping declutter that place and I remember finding in their bathroom two things of memory. One was this gorgeous gold chain that our grandma had lost and it was in the back of some drawer in the bathroom and she was so thrilled that I'd found it. But I also found all of our toothbrushes from when we were about 10 (laughs) What? Yeah, they still had our names on them. Did they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, did you take a photo of it? Oh, I probably did. I don't know if I'd still have it. Oh, that is something I have to see. But yeah, if I can find it, like it was really obvious because mum obviously went for like the primary colours. So there was like a red, yellow, and a blue, green, I think. Just in case I needed to brush my teeth. Just yeah. as someone who has done plenty of dental assisting in my time, yeah. I'd like to put out a PSA right now that you should only be using your toothbrush for about three months and yeah. then it needs to go in the beard. Yeah, yeah. don't <laughs> use it 20 years later when you Unless you're using it. it to clean in your house. Oh, that's yeah, a different that's, story. That's totally fine. <laughs> just not in your mouth. No, just not in your mouth. So, yeah, that was interesting finding things like that in amongst their stuff and that whole process of helping them go through a lifetime of memories was a bit tricky at times because there was not a whole lot of pre-planning. It was more like, oh, okay, we're up to this phase where we're downsizing to the hostel and the palliative care. I think that's care. what often happens too is yeah. we're prompted by the event as opposed yes. to thinking ahead. Yes, it was like we're reactive instead of proactive and our grandfather's health had started seriously declining and so it was like, okay, we've got to get this moving on. Um, and so it was all in a matter of weeks and it was this flurry of activity trying to get things sorted and organised and, I mean, once once we got down to it, now – What's there is our our grandfather passed away quite a few years ago now, maybe five years, and our grandmother lives... She lives in one room. She lives in a bedsit. And yeah. so, like, you imagine they've gone from this huge four-bedroom property, nine-and-a-half-acre property, to just having a bedsit. And the idea of that can be really overwhelming, but if you think ahead in the downsizing process, mm. it really helps you get from A to what ended up being B, C, D down the yeah, track as, and it, as they it wasn't, slowly... It wasn't just a one-step process because no. not only did she go to the hostel from this retirement village, but she's also since then gone, gone into high care as her memories deteriorated and her physical condition has deteriorated. So there can be this real stepping down process and it's like this pairing back of stuff. And so, you know, we as a kid, a grandkids and um, the rest of the family have all benefited from their physical items and things that hold memories of them. And you've got, I think, is it a buffet unit? Oh, 
It's beautiful. It's the envy of so many of my other family oh, <laughs> members on the other it? side of the family who've borrowed it and seen it yeah. while I was overseas because it's absolutely gorgeous. But you're bringing um, up a point that I wanted to dive into just a little bit before we take a break. And so you did a similar thing with our, our Oma, our Dutch mm. grandma. You know, she had deteriorating health, but while she was still quite mentally acute, you had conversations with her about downsizing, but also about where she wanted each of these really special items to go. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. And so she was so thrilled because she was a part of the assigning process, but it still like might live in her house, right? Mm. Because, you know, it. so say she had a really beautiful special lamp and she's like, I want to give this to my daughter and her daughter, you know, her daughter really wanted it and her daughter knew about it. Yeah. And so she was a part of that whole process of naming where things would go. And so bequeathing. Even though there was this inevitable transfer of her stuff from her life then going to be going out to everybody else, she like was empowered in the process and so we knew that everything was – there was a lot of intentionality with everything. Mm. So the downsizing process, even though it's overwhelming and it's emotional and it's hard for the person involved and it's hard for the family, it is so essential and you can be such an advocate and a supporter and a cheerleader to help – this person that you love in your life, go through their stuff and help them prepare for the next phase and accept what was the past, what is the present and what is going to be a part of the future. And that's probably the best thing that you've pointed out in between the difference between um, our grandparents and our Oma is that our grandparents, the downsizing process for them was reactive, whereas for our Oma, it was proactive. And this is probably because she was on her own you know, our Olpa died 20 years almost before she did and she had already kind of downsized into like an independent living unit in a retirement village and so she had been there for close to 20 years. So I had helped her over probably four or five years already downsize. You know, we had started in her garage because she wasn't driving any longer and so there was a whole lot of stuff in there she didn't use and then we actually slowly went through the house and we created a memory box and we did the bequeathing thing which is really cool um, to do because she was really big into tapestry so she had these amazing tapestries that she had made and we would go around each of the items and she'd say, oh, this is for this person and I'd write a little name and attach it to it and take a photo as well with the name next to it just to have a bit of a catalogue because I didn't want to rely on my memory, Mm. being able to remember who was having what. And the great thing is she had five children. She had already talked to each of them about what she wanted to bequeath to them and to all of the grandchildren. And so everybody already knew what was coming, which was really exciting because she knew – that her things were going to, you know, be loved and cherished and everybody knew what they were getting and they were happy with what they were getting. And it was just it was just a much easier process because the decluttering happened slowly over three or four years. And when her health started declining and she started losing her memory and she started getting lost in weird places and you know, things started looking like, oh, this is not really safe for her to be in independent living anymore. We didn't have to worry about, oh my goodness, we've got, you know, two, three bedrooms worth of a house full of stuff that we've got to declutter and get out in two days. That's how long they gave you when you moved out of their independent living units. They gave you two days to have your stuff cleared out. So I was so grateful that when she moved into the care facility, 
that all, all that decluttering had been done and the stuff that was left over was literally things that we gave to Friends with Dignity, which is a local domestic violence charity that helps, you know, find accommodation for women and for families who are fleeing from DV. So it was all the sentimental stuff had been done. It was just the physical, useful, practical stuff that was left and it just made it so much easier being proactive rather than reactive. So I think we've totally covered the great reasons why you should consider downsizing, doing it ahead of time, getting on top of it. All right, so how do we do it? What are the roadblocks we might encounter? What do we do and what do we not do? We'll jump into that straight after the break. Clutter Confessions. (laughs) Hey, Bonnie Lily. My clutter confession is I collect all of my programs from every theatre performance, every music venue that music artists I go to see and I've kept them all. I have no idea what to do with them. Um but yeah, that's my clutter confession is just my music programs. Oh, what to do with them. Mm. You could definitely put them in a memory box, but if like going to the theatre and going to um, see performers is like a really big thing for you and it's a part of your identity. Why not find a cool way to put that kind of stuff on display? It sounds like more of a collection rather than just memorabilia. Yeah. So I think absolutely find a way to honour it and display it. And you know when you go to people's houses and they have like a really cool beer can collection or they've got like a really retro diner style rumpus room or bar or area or something like that, that sort of decor fits perfectly in there. So if this person has like a really small flat and they can't fit this stuff in and they're kind of looking at it thinking, why have I still got it? Then maybe it's time to find someone who is a bit of a collector, who's a bit of a music fanatic, who would appreciate it in their place. But I think it really needs to be honoured and displayed in some way so that when people come over, they can be like, oh, cool, and, you know, have a look through. Look at all the plays you've seen. Look at all the, you know, the artists you've you've seen. I think, you know, maybe they're in a position as well where they're in that age where they can hang photos mm-hmm. with like the little – Like a peg string. Yeah, thing. like with the mini pegs and things like that. Like what's to say you couldn't make a feature out of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, potentially does this person have photos of themselves going to the theatre, you know, out the front of the theatre and like mm. have those in between or something like that? Like, There's you know, lots of options. If it's something that's like really special to you, I think it's if, – if you can display it, um, a cool collection like that, that would be a cool way to do it. Yeah, even if you turned it into sort of like a coffee table – book I mean sometimes the programs can be really crazy sizes yeah that's true but if they're not too bad like put it into you know a display folder with plastic sheets or even just like a a box or or have a really pretty basket as your centerpiece on your table on your coffee table and have them just you know horizontally stacked in there and so people can come and rifle through them yeah sit down and find out who is the the lead leading actress on that show on Broadway or in West End or I always find those those playbills and the programs really interesting to read back through. Like my husband and I, when we went to Europe in 2011, I think it was, we saw um, a show at the Moulin Rouge and that was always a big bucket list thing for me. And we, we bought the play program for that and brought it back. And like, I look at it, I actually did get rid of it last year. I looked at it last year and just laughed because, you know, it's Moulin Rouge so that everybody's very scantily dressed. And I thought, I don't really want my kids to stumble across this. So I might just pass this on. But um, it, it was cool. Like it evoked some great memories and stuff because otherwise, yeah, you've got, you know, you've got photos and you've got memories in your head, obviously, to remember. But there is something sometimes about that physicalness of holding the playbill or the program. Yeah, 
For sure. We want to hear what weird, wacky and wonderful things you've held on to. So send us in your clutter confession. Just search Little Home Organised on Facebook and then you can just flick us an audio message on the page. And don't worry, we'll keep it anonymous. Okay, so we've been talking about helping a loved one who is a bit older prepare to downsize. One of the things that you will come that we all come across when we are doing this is the sentimental clutter. So let's talk about how to deal with sentimental clutter. So I think the biggest thing to remember when we're approaching sentimental clutter is the attachment is to the memory more than it is to the object. And so trying to identify that and separate the two can help you when you are making decisions about whether something stays or it's time for it to go. That can be really difficult to do, actually, the separating the memory from the object. And I think we do get really hung up on looking at something and that physical item really triggering the memory response for us. But we do need to remember that the memory is actually locked away inside of our brain. It's just a physical item. And that's where that separation can be invaluable. And I can get that. Like you look at that item and it evokes such a strong feeling Mm. in you. But if you are moving down to a smaller house where you physically can't take everything, it is a case of something's got to give. And so what are some of the things we do? Is it, do we take photos of the item so we can still look at it and go, oh, and smile and think fondly of it? Or potentially we go through a bunch of items that hold a similar memory and we hold on to the one with the strongest sensation, the strongest memory for us. Mm. It's that whole idea of if everything is special, then nothing is special. And when I think about, say, our Alma and the things that we that we have now from her, there's two things in particular that are really special to me. One of them is a set of Delft candle, tea light candle holders. And she, I, rem- I remember the day distinctly. They were in her china cabinet. She pointed them out and she said, would you like these? I think you would like these. And I said, oh, I can't. I would love those. Like, thank you so much. Um, And I use them on special occasions. And every time I use them, I think of her. And, um, you know, she loved Delft and she had so much Delft. And it just, it's it's a really special memory for me to be able to use those. And the other thing that I've got, which I think we've probably talked about in the podcast before, is our Opa's wedding ring. And I was actually really surprised that none of our uncles or our dad wanted his wedding ring but no one was interested in it and I just I just love it like Mm. it's this you know yellow gold um, ring with a black onyx stone in it and it's very manly and masculine so I don't wear it super often but I got it polished up and it needed a bit of repair work and um, our Alma wore that after he died, you know, for the 20 years. And so yeah. I went through my... It's a connection to him oh, through her. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is beautiful. And it's like there would have been tons of clothing and belongings that he owned when he passed away. But, you know, you pick those one or two items that really like connect you to that yeah. person, say goodbye to the other stuff and then that yeah. will help you... Um, hold that memory and keep it alive, but also Mm. um, be reasonable and practical in your living situation, which is going to be a lot smaller. You know, there was one other item that I would have kept had it lasted the distance. And this was a leather jacket that Alma bought when we were all in Holland together in 2013. And it was this crazy peach color. And when she bought it, she came back from shopping with her sister who was 14 years younger. And the smile on her face was just gorgeous. I mean, she, she was what, 85, 80? early 80s at that point. And so she's just this funny, gorgeous old woman with this bright peach coloured leather jacket and it fit me perfectly and I loved it. And so after she passed away, I kept it. 
And then I found out it was vinyl because it started flaking off. Oh, no. And I was so devastated. <laughs> quality, guys, quality. It's just so important. No, well, I'm glad she, she got to see it while it was still yeah. um, in one piece. Yeah, that's right. So if you're struggling with sentimental clutter, one of the things that you can do is go through like a series of questions. We've talked about these before and we'll refresh them for you now. So when they're looking at items in their house, help them by posing these questions. Have you used this item in the last two years? Will you need it in the future? Do you have multiples of this item? And do I love this item? Does it make your heart sing? If it doesn't make your heart sing, how does it make you feel? Because if it makes you feel negative emotions, then that's usually a really good indicator that it's probably not something we should hold on to. Is this item in their house being used to its full potential? Is it something that if you got rid of it and they happen to need it in the future, it would be easy or affordable to replace if need be? And the last question to ask yourself or your loved one when helping them downsize, why am I holding on to this? What is the hold it has over me? So let's talk about roadblocks, Bonnie, because this is one of the things that holds a lot of people back. So one of the reasons is the classic donate issue. There's a bunch of stuff and it's the, you could take it to the general charity shop, but some things are really quirky. It's like, I don't know where to donate this random item to. And I do tend to find that with the older generations, there is a bit of technology phobia happening and it can feel like a bit overwhelming to actually go and search for charities and search for where you should donate and stuff like that but the most important thing is get someone on your team who doesn't have that technophobia who can help you search for a local charity a local shelter a local whatever it is where you can donate those practical used goods to The other roadblock that we've clearly just covered as well is the sentimentality. Like that's the biggest roadblock with downsizing. Oh, definitely. And I think especially when it comes to wanting to sell things that um, are antiques, we place a lot of emotional value on them and so think that they're actually worth a lot more than someone else is willing to pay for them. And then another roadblock, of course, is the classic, oh my goodness, how could I possibly sell this or donate it. I spent so much money on it. Yes. And maybe it's something that they spent a lot of money on, but they never used or they didn't use it to its full potential. So they're kind of wanting to hold on to it to like drain every last bit of value out of it. Yeah. There's a little bit of guilt sitting there and that's how you try to address the guilt is this holding on to this prospect that you will at some point use it. Yes. And I think to try and overcome that, you need to actually stop and think, The money was already sunk as soon as you bought the item. So if it's not actually serving you, it's costing you in some way, whether it's um, costing you to have a bigger house because you've got so many items in this basket, whether it's just costing you that mental clutter of looking at something constantly and thinking, I didn't use that or I've never used that. So there are plenty of roadblocks and things to be aware of when trying to help a senior downsize. But what are some of the things we can do? Number one, Go slow and steady. You want to be giving them as much control as they can handle, but doing it at a pace that is still productive, but is considerate and courteous of the process that that person needs to go through. I think that giving them control thing is really important because if you come in and you kind of railroad someone into your standards and your decisions and what you want to achieve out of it, then you've missed the point entirely. I think if you're going to help a loved one, whether it's a parent, grandparent or a special senior to downsize, you need to put yourself in their shoes. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. And 
you need to really respect the fact that they are allowing you to help them with that because that's a real privilege. And also the fact that they're ready and willing to downsize and they're approaching the process with you, that's big. Some people are still hesitant to take that first step. So don't forget that that's a really big thing as well. A really important thing to do when you are helping someone downsize is actually to give them time. So let them dwell in the memories. Don't push them to go faster than they're ready to go and let them say goodbye. Yes, having the opportunity to sit there, remember, feel, process is a really important part. Mm. They're looking back on a lifetime of memories. And for a lot of us who are younger, we're not necessarily going to understand that yet until we get to that age. So really being patient and courteous is important. Yeah, it's all about the respect. And you know what, if they need to hug something or kiss something or say goodbye to it out loud, that's okay. Like it's just part of the process of letting go. Yeah, being supportive through the process. And the one thing to keep in mind as well is this can be hugely taxing emotionally, mentally and physically on the person as well as you. So do consider outsourcing if you find that some of this is beyond your capability. So investigate the services of a professional organiser because this is one of the things they do. They come in and they help you through this process. Consider speaking to someone, be it a counsellor or a psychologist, to help with this process. There are resources available. When considering outsourcing, if you're not sure how to do things like the assessments that need to be done when people are getting older and their health is declining or you're not sure how to do the legal side of things or you're not sure how to do the removalist or the apply for the retirement village or whatever it might be this is the time for you to actually outsource and get help because chances are if you're helping someone whether it's a parent or grandparent uh, downsize you're probably in a really busy time of life yourself and you might not have a whole lot of spare time So make the investment in a professional who's going to be a lot faster than you at getting this stuff done and who can take that worry off your mind. And no one expects you to be an expert in all of these areas. So be gracious to yourself and consider that someone else may be able to help you and the senior in your life. Now, Bonnie, what are some of the things we shouldn't do when we're trying to help someone downsize? Oh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) The reason I'm going, oh, is that I hear so many people who have good intentions and they want to go and help their loved one downsize, but then it just goes horribly wrong and really pear-shaped. The most important thing is do not boss them, do not bully them. It is a real privilege and an honour that they are allowing you to help them do this. Don't take that for granted. No, and I think it's often, you know, in some cases it's unintentional. Be mindful that your agenda is not necessarily their agenda. Mm, Definitely. And don't start with the sentimental stuff. I don't know how many times we've said it. You have to practice decluttering. You have to flex your muscles. And getting someone who's maybe not decluttered in 50 or 60 years to start with their memorabilia and their photos of their husband and their, their love letters from war No, that is not a good idea. Start with the really practical everyday stuff. Yeah, you may see those random pieces of furniture in their house that seem to be unused but are highly sentimental to them and think, that's a good place to start. Why would I start with their random, you know, bits of clothing or their cutlery drawer? But trust us, the method is you got to start with those simple, non-sentimental items. Of course, another thing to consider is while it is a family affair, it doesn't need to be a family occasion. Don't bring every man, woman, child and their dog yes. into the process. Oh, yes. Especially for people who are getting on in years and probably enjoy a lot of quiet. 
it needs to be just one-on-one. There, there can't be a whole host of people doing a whole lot of stuff because then they're going to feel overwhelmed, they're going to feel railroaded and they're going to feel like the control is completely taken out of their hands, which is not what you want for them. So having a helping hand is important. You having support during the process of helping someone is important too, but just be realistic about the number of people that are coming into this home because while that number may not overwhelm you, it may overwhelm someone who is used to living by themselves and running their house how they like to run it. So there are three strategies that we like to recommend for people when it comes to downsizing in particular. The first one is called Dostanya, which is actually Swedish death cleaning. And there's a book that you can read on this by Marga Magnusson. And it's all about the proactive side of downsizing. So this is what to do if you're not at that, oh goodness, I've got to downsize and get out quick, not the reactive phase, but if you're at the proactive phase where you can see that in the next maybe five, 10 years, you're going to want to downsize and you can start the process. The second strategy that we like to use is the pack the keepers one. And this is basically when you are packing up, you are just literally packing the stuff that you're keeping. You leave everything else in the cupboards or where it is and that way a charity or a friend can come along and know that everything that has been left behind is okay to go. It's okay to get donated. It's okay to get sold. It's okay to get rubbished if it's rubbish. So that's the second strategy that you can use. The third strategy that you can use is literally pick out the duds. So this is where... Before you're needing to move, so maybe in the weeks, months, years before you are wanting to downsize, you literally go out and just open a cupboard, look at all the glasses and just pick out the ones that you don't want. So that one's called pick out the duds. So there are a few strategies there that you can try. So see which one of those you think sounds good for you and you can give that one a go. All right, Bonnie, I think it's time to wrap up. What's this week's tidy task? So this tidy task is really simple. If you've got a special senior or a grandparent or parent in your life who needs to downsize or wants to downsize, it's time to sit down and have a little chat with them about it. Ask them what they want to achieve, how they're feeling about the task. Would they like you to help them to downsize? Would they like a professional to help them? Just basically open the conversation, get it started about the process of downsizing and what it might look like and how you can help. And the most important thing about that is reassure them that they're going to be in control. They're going to decide what's going to stay, what's going to go. You're not going to bully them into making decisions that suit your agenda. So best of luck. And if you're looking for extra support throughout the process, feel free to jump onto the Little Home Organised Community Group and reach out there. But that's it for this week's episode. And thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. We know how busy life can be and really appreciate you lending us your ears. And remember, progress, not perfection. See you later. Bye. Hey, we'd love to keep the conversation going. Head over to the Little Home Organised Community Group on Facebook, ask questions, find motivation and share your before and afters. And if you enjoyed the show, please help us keep it going by hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. It's free and ensures you do not miss an episode. But if you really want to share the love, leave us a rating and review. Trust me, it makes all the difference in the world.